Welcome to the Timeline Episode 7. Everything that happened, happened. Everything that happens, happened? Yes. I still haven't come up with a good timeline for that. <laughs> Everything happened, I guess. Yeah, we, we'll come up with something eventually. Like Series 2, we'll come up with something good. Yeah. Um, welcome back to the show where we look at different canon shows and cans from films yeah. and books and media and we discuss individual episodes of these films and shows and dissect them by event and in a timeline and treat them as if they were real yeah. and then we look at the historical real-to-life events that may have been taking place at the same time and come up with a coherent hopefully <laughs> it's going to be questionable after the next episode uh, and and History long of timeline of all humanity and life and existence. <laughs> That's a lot. It's a lot. So this series we've been looking at, the X-Men series. I'm Robin Smith and with me is my cohort and co-host, as always. The Blast from the Past. <laughs> Does the Blast from the Past have a name? Limber Bond. Limber the Bond... Bond. Limbert the Bond. Limbert the Blast from the Past. <laughs> Bond. <laughs> and uh, this this episode, I would like to say week, but it's been about a month and a half. This episode, we've been watching The Wolverine. Mm. Um, follow up to X-Men Origins Wolverine, although not technically. Mm. And next film after X-Men uh, Last... No, it would be yeah, X Men First Class. It's hard to keep track now. Uh, which uh, it's not at all tied to it, although Logan Hugh Jackman appeared in that film. Yeah. Um, but it's the next film that came out in the canon yeah. of the X Men series. It's, uh, but it's directly after X Men Last Stand. Yes. Definitely. Definitely, because yeah. they do reference. They heavily they reference, reference that. Um, which is interesting. They're going back that far, you know, film release timeline wise. So, uh, how have you been? A little bit. We've got covered a little bit of that in the preamble, yeah. but we'll we'll actually talk about it for real as if this is a proper show. How are you doing? What's what's That's been good. going on? It's been a like say a couple of yeah, months. Been a couple of months. Off further now. Back to work. <laughs> how many how many shifts you had to deal with so far? So far, I've done nine flights. A lot of Greek islands, because that's where everyone's going to Greek islands, apparently. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I assume, this sounds like it's a poor taste <laughs> joke, but it's not. I assume that there, there's not that much in the way of fires over there now, after all the terrible... Not where I'll be going, no, but I'll be going more to the islands. Not the, I think the fires we're actually on the mainland, most of it, like... Mm, I think a couple of the smaller. Yeah. It's a terrible state, but, you know, it's a shame that's the state of the world we're in now. Global warming. Mm, I mean... I'm not going to say you're to blame. Being <laughs> part of the airport airline uh, services, but I think you should carry the weight of guilt. <laughs> um, I mean, but, it's a hard one, though, isn't it? You, you think about that kind of like, because I am technically to blame in some. You don't, you're really not. It's, but it, then again, like, it's just not really like, what can I do realistically? Like, I could quit yeah, my people, job. People and have don't... to have money and jobs and get yeah. by in this, the, the system that's been created yeah. for us all to live in, but. Yeah, no, don't let that actually create any sort of guilt for you. You, know? you just have to try and live your best life yeah, and do what you can, you know. Um, 
But it's been good to get back to work, actually. Yeah. How long was it between your the biggest gap between shifts? I suppose like three months. Reasonable. Yeah. Just that first week back, you're like, am I doing everything correctly? Like, am I doing this? Like, uh, I heard you went to the gym today. Yeah, I did. Yeah, just before. So, we... so how long have you been back gymming? About two months now. Yeah. Positive effects. Yeah. I feel a lot more energy, like... Nice, nice. I mean, being tied up in, in lockdown and stuff for such long periods, I know that it can drain you, especially working from home when I was. I think that's the worst thing about lockdown. The gyms were shut. I know that to be shut because obviously COVID, but yeah, like, yeah. it was just that... It was such a irritant that I joined a gym for the first time <laughs> and then two weeks later they were closed. Because like, you do lose a lot of your gains as well after you don't go to the gym for that long. Like, mm, you have to, you're almost starting from scratch uh, again. I, it's been like doing night work for me is, even though I've got the bike downstairs, so much time is taken up doing that and getting home and sleeping yeah. and trying to fit in any time to even ride on that damn thing. <laughs> that I just, I just can't get the sort of motivation to get into it again. you got to get into a pattern. Mm. That's the thing you got to get into is a routine. It, like, it, it, it's also a case of when you're on it and you're, you're not quite ready to be doing it properly yeah. and you're forcing it it can feel like mentally it feels like having stomach stuck in your teeth as an irritant to it like i don't want it but my head doesn't want me to be doing i do it. find that working from home as well a bit more harder because even when tyler go to the gym i know i'm going to the gym for a reason and you sort of just get on with it like when you're at home you'll be like oh you know like mm. there's the extra feeling like, i don't have to do it today and he's like no <laughs> it's very easy to buckle yeah. isn't it um well at least we've been you know, back back yeah. to it, keeping busy, got some money coming in. Um, the world is somewhat normal. When the UK is almost like nothing's ever happened, you got there now, well, like yeah, people, yeah, people, people <laughs> you wouldn't think, nothing. you wouldn't think, like a couple of months ago, like that was just like it's kind of mad in a way, though, like how people just relax so much. Like, um, I mean, it's what leads to stuff like Brexit as well. Um, I think there's uh, two sides to the reactions to everything that's been going on, both with the supply issue stuff and the the COVID stuff mm. and Brexit, you know, all kind of tied together. There's people who deny anything's wrong and there's people who hyper-inflate what yeah. is wrong, like take pictures of empty shelves and the shelves being empty is a bad thing and there are problems but there's way less empty shelves than it looks like. And part of it is, like, stores, at least the store I'm working at, they don't tend to fill in the day as much yeah. because COVID means they don't want to have too many people on the shop floor. And plus, uh, when I worked in retail, there's plenty of days where there's empty shelves. And this yeah, was yeah. about six years ago, was no, where no, there was yeah. no Brexit or any of it, like... Which is, you... <laughs> retail's just been shoddy for a long time, yeah. It's always been issues where, like, sometimes you could take, you go you walk in somewhere... It's and, more uh, pronounced now. Of course, yeah, I'm not saying... Uh, but it's not nearly as bad as people are making. I think it the worst thing about it now is food prices going up. That's yeah, the worst. Yeah, I've, well, I've seen a mix of it. Like, well, there's that deal that our store is doing where you use your your membership card and you reduce your price on certain items. Mm. Um, and then the supply issues started happening. And then one night they were like, "Take all the deals off mm. quick." So that was a big job to do quickly. I feel like you've got to be a bit more frugal now. You've got to look at. You've got to look to at an extent, but like. Um, as an example, a couple of weeks ago, Bongella for babies, <laughs> for gums, doubled in price wow. in one night from like £1.50 to £3. 
and at the same time, like within the same two two week period, there is like pancetta and cheese and meats and stuff in the chillers that have gone from one about one seventy five down to ninety eight p. And it's like it's the, there are certain items going up and down, really big chumps, but whatever it is, is all over the place. It's partly that Audi price match bull that every store is doing at the moment. Um, which is ironic because Aldi is well known for actually selling some products much more expensively than others. See, I don't like Aldi anyway. Mm. Like, realistically, I don't... I don't dislike Aldi. I don't dislike, but I don't... I, don't, I, don't I never go to shopping at my own, like... It's fine. And, the, and I understand the perception of them being cheaper is inviting to people who yeah. are in a tough time. Of course. Um, but the, they should, you should always be cautious and spend. I don't think they're that much cheaper, really. No, but when it comes they really aren't. They're, like I say, there's some items that are more expensive. So Anyway, we've gone on for too long about <laughs> supermarkets <laughs> and shopping and going back to work. We all know what it's like at the moment. So let's go back in time, segways, and look at a different, uh, less tumultuous time in in our histories. Um, Let's go back and look at the release of The Wolverine um, that was 2013. 2013. So it's not so long ago now, but also like nine years. It's weird. It's it's like the time difference is the biggest and smallest gap. In your head, right? It Nine seems years, really yeah. recent, but it's also ten years ago almost. That's what that is. I thought well, it was longer than that. Now, but, I thought yeah. it was longer than that, but it's weird. Um, so let's let's get into the detail. We've we've had no emails, by the way. We've had a couple of emails that aren't quite things about stuff, but not worth mentioning. Give us some proper email next. Thank yes, you. Yes, we'll, we'll we'll do the email at the end of the show, so we can move straight in. To what will be a briefer episode this week, mainly because I want to do a special episode yeah. for the next film. The well, next um, film is massive, so yeah. yes, and I want to kind of retool everything a little bit. So, the Wolverine. Uh, let's look at pre-production first. So, in, in September two thousand and seven, Gavin Hood, director of X Men Origins, Wolverine, yeah. speculated there would be a sequel which would be set in Japan. Christopher McCrory, who went uncredited for his work on X-Men, was hired to write the screenplay for the Wolverine sequel in August 2009. So it was a long gestating sort of product. Uh, according to uh, Sean O'Donnell, who is the, one of the executive producers, um, the sequel would focus on the relationship between Wolverine and Mariko, the daughter of a Japanese crime lord, and what happens to him in Japan. Pretty much what we expect at this point. Um, the uh, Wolverine would have a different fighting style due to Mariko's father having this stick-like weapon. There will be samurai, ninja, katana blades, different forms of martial arts, mono and mono, extreme fighting, she continued. Uh, we want to make it authentic, so I think it's very likely we'll be shooting in Japan, and I think it's likely the characters will speak English rather than Japanese with subtitles. 
You mean Japanese or English? No, that's what she said. Oh. English rather than Japanese for some purpose. Um, in January 2010, at the People's Choice Awards, Jackman stated that the film would be start shooting sometime in 2011. And in March 2010, McCrory declared that the screenplay was finished for production to start in January the following year. Sources indicated Darren Aronofsky was in negotiations to direct the film after Brian Singer turned down the offer. So, instead of the wrestler going to Black Swan, <laughs> he could have gone and directed The Wolverine. I think he chose it for you. <laughs> he, chose, he chose well. <laughs> he chose well. <laughs> he didn't direct this. Um, story is based on the first mini-series, Wolverine, because there was a longer run of of comic series for Wolverine that lasted several hundred issues but the first miniseries was really small and it was four issue limited series that was the f the second ever version of a limited series so he was the second character in Marvel history to get his own standalone oh. miniseries and it was written by Chris Claremont with pencils by Frank Miller um, and inks, inks by Joe Rubenstein um, and it was uh, based on a story arc that happened with Wolverine's engagement to the character Mirko. And we'll cover the exact details when we talk about some of the characters. But essentially, there's been two sort of mini story arcs with Wolverine in Japan. One of them's Wolverine learning to be more civilized so we can, and less animalistic, so we can get through and survive a situation. And the other one is resisting being more human or. And, and becoming more animalistic so he can survive the situation. Um, it's kind of the, the different sides to his personality, you know. Um, so, noble characters. Uh, there's Yukio. This is an interesting character. She'll come up... She's probably the most interesting character in the film, really. Um, is a fictional character appearing in American comic books published by Marvel Comics. She is a female ninja of Japanese origin and supporting character of the X-Men, particularly associated with Wolverine, originally conceived of as a love interest for... Wolverine? Sorry, I didn't hear that. You are quite Wolverine. quiet. Wolverine? Cool. No. No. Think There's... about another X-Man. That's what I'm going to give you as a clue. Beast? X-Man as a title for the group. It must be a love interest. One me. last guess. One last guess. Um, can't be Cyclops. Storm. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the character's relationship was re relegated to subtext after Marvel Comics editor-in-chief Jim Shooter mandated that no same-gender couples could be depicted in comic books during his tenure at Marvel Comics. <laughs> I guess. It was Back a, then. It was a time, yeah. It wasn't that long ago, to be fair. The other character that's worth mentioning is Lord Shingen, a Japanese Yakuza crime boss who disgraced his family when he claimed that he had a legitimate claim to the imperial throne of Japan by turning his clan into a criminal empire. To settle a personal debt incurred during his rise to power, Shingen forced his daughter Mariko uh, to marry criminal, criminal boss Noboro Hideki who is a character essentially in the film as well. Wolverine found out that Naburo beat Mariko nearly to death and confronted Naburo, but he relented from killing him upon Mariko's insistence. Shingen, and Wolverine, uh, had, Shingen had Wolverine poisoned 
temporarily weakening him so that Shingen could beat him and humiliate the superhuman mutant in a duel with Boken in front of Marika, which is the wooden training versions of swords yeah. that samurai would train with. Shingen used his expert knowledge of human anatomy to secretly attack Wolverine's nerve endings um, in such a way just to make the, uh, the duel life-threatening. So it was like training swords, but he could still try and kill yeah. him with them. Uh, but Mariko did not know this when Wolverine attempted to use his claws to save himself. It appeared to Mariko that Wolverine was cheating. Oh. Uh, Mariko did not know that Wolverine's body had been saturated with enough lethal poison to kill seven dozen ordinary men, <laughs> or that Shingen was the one who was actually cheating in the duel. This had the effect of disgracing Wolverine in front of her, which was the design of Shingen. Logan was then dumped into the Tokyo streets and found by Yuriko, uh, Yukio, sorry, Shingen's best assassin, who participated in a deception with the Hand Clan ninjas to manipulate Wolverine into assassinating a rival crime lord, using Mariko as an unwilling bait for additional motivation. So there's a there's a three way sort of thing going on with the Hand, this yeah. Yukuza, and anyway. The other character is Ichiro Yoshida. Uh, he's based on a couple of Silver Samurai. Uh, Versions merged together. So he's like the old man. No. Um, and obviously his do- his granddaughter, uh, Mariko Yoshida, is the daughter of Japanese crime lord, Lord Shingen, leader of the clan Yoshida. She and Wolverine first met in the X-Men, uh, sought help of her cousin, Sunfire. Oh, so okay. uh, the, yeah, the X-Men, Sunfire is related to her. Although she was the first... Scared of Wolverine, Mariko found herself attracted to him. Wolverine was charmed by her beauty and fine manner. Two spent a great deal of time together in Japan, fell in love when she came to visit him in New York. It seems like a lot of Wolverine. He falls in love with loads of people. Yeah. <laughs> Movie Wolverine is slightly more focused on one person. But still. He does fall in love a lot. Even, even Movie Wolverine, like... Yeah. I mean, we've seen, he's very old, so three people over like I guess, yeah. 100 years isn't that big a number. Um, although one of them isn't really legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that again, hopefully. Uh, cast and crew, let's talk about who came on. So the notable new introduced actors, we've got Huyoki Sanada. I'm actually not going to be so bad with these ones, but the fact that you just chuckled while I was doing it means you that we're probably going to stumble just by... Thinking about stumbling. Um, on, born on 12th of October 1960, he's a Japanese actor. He's best known for his role as Tasagori Seibe, the Twilight Samurai, and uh, Uji, Gio, Ujio in Last Samurai. Yeah. I lost, I, yeah. mm. He's in a lot of stuff. His role as the fool in the Shakespeare play King Lear also gave him notable theatrical notice in the United Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, in Japan, uh, Sanada is also known for songs he recorded for movies, as well as songs he's performed for the public. He made his first major Hollywood appearance, portraying Geo. Uh, I keep mean like my brain wants me to put a T in there. Geo in the Last Samurai, later appearing in films such as Speed Racer. He also starred in Danny Boyle's Sunshine, and three what of film three is. of the original Japanese ring titles. He's like a really key character yeah. in those films. I remember in Sunshine actually. Yeah, he's like he's, first... quite, he's quite quite he's quite quite a big 
He's the first person to go. He's got yeah, yeah, quite, yeah. I don't want to spoil it for anyone because no, it's, it's a good, good movie, film. But yeah. He's got quite a big role in it. Like um, the next actor is Tao Akimoto, Tao Akimoto, born May twenty second, nineteen eighty five. Known professionally as Tao, is a Japanese actress and model. In two thousand nine, she was one of the faces of Ralph Lauren. She made her film debut as the female lead Mariko Yoshida in The Wolverine. Oh, oh. So this is her first film. But we will talk about her later. Uh, next up is Rida Fukushima. On uh, January 9th, 1980, Tokyo. Uh, is a Japanese fashion model and actress best known for her comic book roles in film and TV. And has appeared in projects such as superhero film The Wolverine as Yukio. Um, again, we'll talk about some of the things these people do, did do after this or later. Uh, next up is Will Yun Lee, born March 22nd, 1971. He's an American actor and martial artist. He is best known for his roles as Danny Wu in the supernatural drama Witchblade and Jay Kim in the sci-fi series Bionic Woman. That didn't last long, did it? The Bionic Woman series. That one series. Evil, oh. <laughs> uh, he has also appeared in films Die Another Day and Electra. I've watched the lecture, but I've forgotten half that film. Uh, next up is Svetlana Vitrukova Kodjachevko. <laughs> Got it entirely wrong. I'll get the computer to read that out later. Or listen to it and then read it out again. Um, I'll edit myself in later. Just at the end of the podcast, just saying a name. Svetlana. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Insert name here. <laughs> <laughs> name redacted. Uh, born 21st of January 1983, is a Russian actress of theatre, film, and television. She was an honoured artist of the Russian Federation in 2018. I know that's a late thing, but she doesn't really do anything else with Supernote. In lots of stuff, but. You know, I think I haven't really seen her much. Probably lots of. But bits. I probably have seen her, but she's probably been like a character, like this. Bit parts. Yeah. She previously starred in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy as Irina. I don't think I've never seen that film. Irina, I think, actually. Yeah, anyway. Um, Huruchi, Huruhiko, Huruhiko Yamanochi, born 20th April 1946, also known as Harold Yamanochi, or Haru Yamanochi, uh, is a Japanese-Italian Actor, dancer, choreographer, and writer. That's an interesting combination. Mm. Japanese Italian. Yeah. You don't really get that. I don't think we get that a lot, but. Yeah. The world is a melting pot. Uh, beginning his career in his, as a mime, he has performed in and choreographed for numerous stage productions. Since 1976, he has acted in over 100 films and television series, including several. 1980s genre films directed by the likes of Sergio Kirio Martino, Rigoretto Diodato, and Enzo G. Cagliari. He's best known to international audiences for his villainous supporting roles in Wes Anderson's The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou and The Wolverine. He has also translated and dubbed Japanese language films into Italian. Oh. Handy to have. A skill. Gets the extra money in, doesn't it? Um, lastly, 
playing the younger version of the same character, Ken Yamura, born Kenosuke Yamura, Yamamura, sorry, born 21st, 19, uh, January 21st, 1986. He's a Japanese actor, best known for playing younger Ichiro Yoshida, Silver Samurai, uh, and sharing the main antagonist role with Hirohiko Yamanochi from earlier in The Wolverine. Um, we should mention the director as well, James Mangold, born December 16th, 1963. He's an American film and television director, song, uh, screenwriter and producer. He's best known for the films Copland, for this, good film. Never seen it. Girl Interrupted. Never seen it. And Walk the Line. Walk the Line rings a bell in my head somewhere. They're all like relatively respected films. So, we also have a couple of returning actors. Most Hugh Jackman. Most, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Um, since the last film we saw him in, which was... Oh yeah, First Class. For two seconds. He's paying attention. He's re- remembering the films we're looking at. Uh, he's been in 2011's Real Steel, which is about boxing robots. You know what? I quite like that film, actually. Uh, 2012's Rise of the Guardians. Anything what's that? That's about owls. And I think that's that, that film. Unless I'm thinking about the other one, which was about fairy tale mythological characters like Father Christmas and Jack Frost forming a superhero team. I don't remember yeah, which one's which. Here. They're very similar names. And notably in 2012's Les Miserables. That's another good film. It was also in 2013's Movie 43. As Davis in the segment titled The Catch. Do you remember mm. Movie 43? No. Do you know what that segment is about? No. <laughs> he goes on a... It's, it's about a man going on a date with a woman. The woman's going on a date with him, essentially. And he it's revealed during the course of the events of this segment that he has a pair of testicles growing off his chin. Oh. Delightful movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, charming comedy. Charming comedy. Um... Yeah, I'm sure he he mentions that all the time. There are two other guests we will mention later. No. So the film was released in 26th of July, ni- uh, 1930. Wow. 1930. <laughs> 26th of July, 2013. And this first watch for me was Blu-ray Region 2. Uh, I, I watched the director's cut version first. Mm. And then I watched the theatrical. And then I watched it again on Disney Plus, so I've got a sort of wide range oh. of it. Uh, so you've you've seen both cuts as well. I've seen the extended version, which I'm guessing is director's cut. I've seen Disney Plus version, which I'm guessing is similar to Blu-ray. I'm guessing, unless they've done some. It's as far as I could tell, exactly the same as the basic Blu-ray. Disney's cut. a bit dodgy when it comes to releasing uh, yeah, stuff. I mean, all like even. <sighs> Different Blu-rays and DVDs of from what you'd expect non-Disney I know they released, companies. I know they did a censored version of Alien on Disney Plus. It's not did the they? it's not the good version of Aliens. It's like the Aliens. Alien. It's like the TV version that it's been with pan and scan <laughs> and everything. Yeah. That's just so Disney's a bit sometimes hit and miss when it comes to what version they're going to put up on air. Mm. Which I always find weird. Why don't they put up extended versions as well? Because they must have the, they have the rights to it. Like. I understand some people don't want, want, don't want to watch the extended versions or director's cuts versions, but 
It's just nice to have that, I guess, option on there, like... Yeah. I mean, if it was Lord of the Rings, you'd expect something like that yeah. to have the full version, like... The extended version is much better than you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, becomes default version after a few years. Especially since they own all the licenses to it, so it's like... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they, they want to do something eventually later on Maybe. where you pay extra for the extended versions <laughs> of things. You know, and it's weird because like, it depends on what you're watching. Sometimes yeah. they have extras which are like on par with DVD bonus features yeah. and stuff. And sometimes there's nothing <laughs> at all. It's really strange. But um, it's not as bad as something like the WWE Network was. <laughs> we're selling it to Peacock and just stripping everything out. Although we're all right over here for the moment. Not that I've used it recently. I've not used it. I haven't used it. <laughs> Um, but you get the idea yeah Uh, the other person who's gone back to the film we should go back to what we're talking about is uh, Famke Jensen she's since the last stand uh, was in the treatment in 2006 as Oligera Marshall 2008 in Taken Ah, as uh, Lenore Lenny Millis and 2012 in Taken 2 she was also in Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters as Muriel, which I've is seen that film. the the main evil witch, I think. I think oh. I've not seen that film. I've got it somewhere in the house, but I've not sat down and watched it yet. Um. So yes, Blu-ray region. We've talked about that. So what did you did you? How was there a big gap between you watching it again for this show, from the first time you watched it? Yes. And how much did it change in your head? Because I remember you telling me before we went off to watch these, uh, it's all right, it's a, it's a good film until the end. And now you're talking to me today. I just hate it all. I don't know. <laughs> I remember because I watched this film in the cinema originally. I remember hating the ending. But I must have just blurred out the rest of the film. And I go back to them and just like, this film's just. Because I have a different take on oh. it. But. I just uh, feel like it'd it's, be interesting to hear what you think. I feel like it's just almost like a carbon copy of the first film. It will be like gonna be love interest. <laughs> you mean just the story? Just a story, yeah. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure you watched the right film? <laughs> Did you accidentally watch X Men again? <laughs> um Okay. Well, let's let's get into the film. Let's go through the details then. This is vitally important because who knows how different our viewing experiences yeah. is now. So First run movie timeline. Fox logo. Marvel logo. Open. Planes. Islands. Siren. Hiroshima. (laughs) Yes. Japan. Camp. Panic. Soldiers run for their lives as Logan watches from a crack in the top of a former well. Now repurposed for use as a solitary confinement bunker. Which is very handy. He's in that, actually. I wonder if there was more of those. Anyway. A single Japanese soldier runs to a bunk, freeing American and other prisoners of war. Several soldiers shoot at the people fleeing. And he's like, no, stop it, you pricks. Logan watches this as it happens. The soldier walks over to free Logan also. This soldier 
beckons for Logan to escape, but he just points out it's a B-29 and there's no outrunning what's coming. His fellow remaining commanders commit suicide or seppuku. Yeah. <laughs> the way you said yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. Um, ahead of the bomb and he's prevented from dying by, by Logan who hurries him into the well. Forcing him in. It's like, how deep is that well? He just tosses him in or something. <laughs> Could land on his head at the bomb, but no. Um, forcing him in, shielding him from the bulk of the bomb's fire with a chunk of metal, taking the brunt of the blast himself. The soldier attempts to leave after seeing Logan heal, but he's held back by Logan. So let's just quickly cover the research, because it's important. On August 9th, 1945, which we're assuming this is, based on very, very heavy <laughs> evidence, Nagasaki, because it was Nagasaki, yeah. was subject of a nuclear strike by American forces. The population in Nagasaki at the time was estimated to be 263,000 people, which consisted of 240,000 Japanese residents, 10,000 Korean residents, 2,500 conscripted Korean workers, 9,000 Japanese soldiers, and 600 conscripted Chinese workers, along with 400 allied POWs. That day, the Boeing B-29 Superfortress Bosca, commanded by Major Charles Sweeney, departed from Tinane's North Field just before dawn, this time carrying a plutonium bomb codenamed Fat Man. The primary target for the bomb was Kokura, with the secondary target being Nagasaki. If the primary target was too cloudy to make a visual sighting, when the plane reached Kokura at 9.44am, 10.44am Tinian time, the city was obscured by clouds and smoke, as the nearby city of Yahita had been firebombed on the previous day. A steel plant in Yahita was also there, workforce intentionally set fire to containers of coal, tar to produce target obscuring black smoke unable to make a bombing attack on uh, visual due to clouds and smoke with limited fuel the plane left the sea at 10.30am for a secondary target the 20 minutes uh, it took for the plane arrived at 10.50am over Nagasaki but the city was also concealed by clouds desperately short of fuel and after making a couple of bombing runs without obtaining any visual target, the crew was forced to use radar to drop the bomb. At the last minute, an opening in the clouds allowed them to make visual contact with a racetrack in Nagasaki. Like, I assume, uh, like, boss car or, or bike yeah. racing or something like that. Um, they dropped the bomb on the city's Urukumi Valley midway between the Mishibi, uh, Mitsubishi Steel and Armsworks in the south and the Mitsubishi Urukami Ordnance Works in the north, which is still like not strictly military, but they're trying to target yeah. things that are doing military things, by the sounds of it. 53 seconds after its release, the bomb exploded at 11.02am at an approximate altitude of 1,800 feet. Less than a second after the detonation, the north city of uh, was destroyed and 35,000 people were killed. Among the deaths were 6,200 out of the 7,500 employees of the Mitsubishi munitions plant. 
and 24,000 others, including 2,000 Koreans, who worked in other war plants and factories in the city, as well as 150 Japanese soldiers. <laughs> and that's like, you look at the death toll, you, you, you blow up that bomb, and ultimately you only kill 150 Japanese yeah. soldiers. It's like, wow. Um, so that gives us very sort of specific idea of exactly when and where and how and the effects. So we know where we're starting from. Gene's voice echoes over time and space. Wake up. And Logan wakes today. Rolling over to see Gene beside him in bed. Where were you? She asks. Nagasaki. The bomb. World War II. Uh, he asks if she can stay. He's made a vow of non-violence. She tells him it's too late. Which is contradictory to some of the stuff she says later. Although she's just a figment of his imagination. Spoilers. Um, as, he see, as he sees claws in her gut and he awakes from his slumber. Caveman Logan wakes to the static of his radio and gathers his belongings. Heading into the wood, he sees claw marks on the trees. One set he goes over with his own. A brown bear, old, tired, passes, pissing on a tree stump. In the local town, Logan is watched and filmed by a red-haired girl in a car. A group of old boys are outside preparing for a trip. Two in the local store buying arrows and store credit. Logan approaches the counter and the girl asks if he's a hunter. Not anymore. That night, screams, rain, thunder. Cave Logan woken by shots. He heads out to find ruined camp and prince. Bear. He finds the beast, hit with arrow, begging to be put down, in his head anyway. Um, he obliges, even though the bear might just been going ouch, just because it's a bear, and takes the arrow. He heads to a bar in town, in the middle of the rain. Wolverine looks in the window and sees one of the hunters. He must have been damn near 12 feet tall. We didn't hear nothing except twigs. Are you the one attacked by the grizzly? Attacks, uh, asks Logan. I'd like to buy the man a drink. He buys the man a drink. He then stabs him in the hand with his own arrow. It's a poisoned head. It's legal. He stops a friend of the hunter attacking. The arrow caused the bear to go crazy and kill the hunter's friends. I don't dip my arrow, the hunter says. In that case, you've got nothing to worry about because the hunter's arrow is yeah. in his hand. The hunter smashes a glass over Logan. Over the hunter smashes a glass over Logan's head with his free hand. He gets ready to attack with his claw as our redhead from earlier suddenly stops him and says, three will die in a week anyway." The hunter gets his hand free and goes to attack, but she kicks him back. Others ready guns. The girl uses her sword to cut a stall and a bottle after using the hilt to deflect the attacker's gun. In a rental uh, round back, Logan asks who she is. Yukio. She's been looking for him for a year to pass on a sword and uh, from her ma master Yoshida and message. She has <laughs> files on Logan. He wants to thank Logan. She wants to take him to Tokyo to do so. He refuses, but says he's a soldier and seeking an honourable death. But she says that. Sorry. 
<laughs> they hop on a 15 hour flight after convincing him to come. That'd be impossible by the way that flight. Would 15 it? hours straight here. It's a pirate jet. Again. Oh, wait, can, can you get. Finally, he's got something to, where Libert can shine. Right, I, Googled, can, can, I actually Googled how far a pirate jet can fly. And it's about. They can fly between 9 to 10 hours range before they have to stop and refuel. So that 15 hours trip would be impossible without a pirate jet. Is it plausible? They could have stopped it. They could have stopped somewhere. That a flight. A plane could have fueled them in mid flight. Oh, yeah, but it doesn't really happen on pirate jets because. No, that's but more, this is a crazy superhero world. I guess. I guess that is that it can happen. Like you can refuel in the sky, but mm. Mm. well, let's imagine that maybe that's why they said that. <laughs> we'll give them some. Give them some. But it's probably likely they landed and few fuel yeah. part way. Okay, cool. And like we're talking from from Canada to Tokyo, right? Yeah. So see, a, a commercial like avoid it, but a private jet because obviously the fuel. Maybe it wasn't a private jet. <laughs> Maybe we imagine that. <laughs> anyway. See, there's a reason I keep him around. Uh, he refuses saying his soldier signal on a breath. So, um, they hop on a 15-hour flight. That's impossible. <laughs> you don't like to fly? I love it, he says. If the only thing they keep from Origins is Logan's discomfort with flight, I can live with that. I don't know about you. Uh, Logan is drinking to cope. She says they are nearly there. She explains her power to see the deaths of people before they happen. Right, well, we've talked about the flight being impossible. <laughs> what do you think of this sort of opening segment in concept? So I, like, I like the Japanese... I like to see how he got to that. Though, like, how he got locked up into like... Mm. I feel like they should have maybe went down and like... Because that would have been the time period he was hanging out with his then brother. Yeah. <laughs> like, it would have been quite quite nice to see how he actually got locked up. Maybe, like, maybe five minutes is, like, a little... I feel like actually got even, to... Not even that. Like, yeah. You could have had a couple of minutes yeah. of something happening. Because um, it would have been tough to uh, capture him, right? That's what, yeah, like... <laughs> so he must have either surrendered or was put in a situation where, like... <laughs> maybe. Um... But we know he was fine. Yeah. But he was also at the the D Day landings. So logistically, him getting from one to the yeah. other location is interesting. <laughs> um, but you know, maybe there were mercenaries for hire, or who knows what was going on. Um, I like the feel of everything so far. It's very much more grounded for what it is. And less ridiculous, like although we appreciate the opening to Origins for what it's doing, I think this is. Does this sound like a knock on the X Men series as a whole? I think the one thing that I take away from maybe the most of this film is it feels like more like a real film. In this traditional filming sense and how it's paced, and the filming, the camera style of of you know lighting and things like that you know it feels like it could be if you stripped away the superhero stuff a sort of more of an action film of a traditional type does that make sense yeah i guess it does have that doesn't yeah because there's aside from wolverine there's one other mutant in the film and they aren't super obvious about it no and there's not over the top superpowers until you get to the very very end we'll get to that and even that isn't 
like mutant stuff. That's yeah. sort of something technology. else. Technology. Um, so I, we get more into where my feelings yeah. fall on it. I think this opening is interesting. Yes, it's got a good opening. I think I think maybe like you say you could add more to the opening. Yeah. Even in the extended cut, there isn't anything extra no. there, and the the there could be more of an interesting how he gets to this life, what's going on with him, how he's living, and then him travelling to that initial travel to Tokyo, and interaction with other people, yeah. like trying to live as just yeah. a quiet bear man, you know, would be interesting. I like to know dive into more psyche or like being that bear man, like, mm. and him properly living in Canada in the woods. Yeah, that's interesting. Anyway, Tokyo sights, sounds, lights. Logan arrives at the Ishida house with Yukio. They are greeted by many guards with guns. He asks why, and she says there have been attacks by the yakuza. Um, yakuza, everybody knows, they're yeah. just the mafia of Japan essentially, but they're bound by a few more rules. Their own code. I guess they're a bit more. I say I want to say honor bound. Yeah, yeah. That, is, that is some weird thing. Honor bound. I guess they are, but they're not at the same time. They're still bad guys. Like mm. realistically, like you cross them, they still want to kill you. Probably like <laughs> yeah, somehow. yeah, in a terrible <laughs> way too. Um, but you know, the, the mafia with rules. They still got quite a bit of power as well. I think I believe they're still yeah, quite not active. a lot of power. Yeah, like. Um, and again, I think that's partly tied to the psychological traditions of yeah. different people over there. Logan sits and waits to see Yoshida. He watches a pair sparring on the other side of the courtyard. Yukio tells him that's Shingen. Shinyen, apparently. Um, he says he's good. She thinks he's alright. <laughs> the pair observe a bedridden Yoshida as his granddaughter, Miriko, uh, she leaves and asks who the caveman is. He needs to be cleaned. <laughs> Logan resists getting in the bath, but uh, eventually he does, and a comedy scene plays out with two women scrubbing and pruning him with like, big old brushes. He's like, I can do down there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful, beautiful impression of him. Uh, Logan, all cleaned up, visits Yoshida on some sort of space bed. I do like this bed though. It's just interesting the way he like just like pops up. How like. does it know he's moving? It looks really painful as well, like because it looks like yeah. he's like getting pinged up, like little tiny little lumps kind <laughs> yeah. of pushing you in the back. Like, that cannot be comfortable. <laughs> I get the concept, but it just uh. he dismisses his doctor and talks with Logan. We see shots of computers monitoring his organs. He wanted to repay Logan, and he offers Logan the chance at death. Which is a fantastic reward. You see, this is another weird scene because like, how do you know what Logan's going through? Because up until this point, like I think it's the the perception I guess that perception. living forever is some sort of hell in itself. Because yeah, up until this point, he's only had one contact with him, and that was like maybe well, he's kept track. I mean, maybe, he's got that dossier yeah. on him, um, and he's not really knowledgeable about how he's been living his life. He's just trying to jump to the conclusion. That hopefully, <laughs> because he's been living forever, he'd want to die. Um, and that, therefore, he could do what he wants to do later. Spoilers. Um, he pleads with Logan and says his granddaughter needs protection. Logan views a fight between Mariko and her father, uh, him striking her around the face with the back of his hand. In moments, she speeds towards the edge of a cliff, but Logan quickly snatches her up, preventing her suicide 
Later, a now angry Logan asks Yukio about herself. She grew up with the family but isn't related. She was found on a trip to the south, to a factory, digging through garbage for food. She was adopted as a friend for America. Uh, what do you think so far? So I've been space fed. Space fed. This little scene, sort of establishing yeah. people. Oh. You're seeing the four players, really. Oh, yeah, they, well, yeah, at this point, you know, it's three players. The Doctor's a bit like... Doctor's like the... I think the one stand out, sort of, out of place character. Yeah. And that could be any character, really, doing stuff. But obviously with the overall narrative later... Yeah. She has a sort of role to play, yeah. but Not you could have led to that yeah. using anything and yeah. anyone. Um, what happens to Logan during the course of the film, she's been used to carry that, but she just kind of feels, sticks out like a sore thumb, both thematically, but also deliberately thematically. Yeah. It's an interesting one. I could see why they've used her, but you could do it without her yeah. as well. I don't know if it would be better without um, and you know you're setting all the the household, although you don't spend much time in the house. No. Uh, or with the group, it's one things pick up. They they really pick yeah. up. Right that night, Logan dreams of Jean again. She asks him why he turned down the offer. They kiss, but in reality, it's the Doctor. Oh shit, she's a lizard person. David Icke was right. <laughs> she seems to poison Logan with green mist leaving his mouth. Not long after, he gets up, claws ready, to find that Yoshida is dead. Yukio, shocked and saddened, she didn't foresee it. Things are about to pick up. Cut to a funeral. Brightly lit, daytime. Yet umbrellas are up all over the press. Probably for shade, I assume? Yeah. Because it seems like quite a warm, sunny yeah. day. Uh, the press clamour, interviews given... A young man hangs out on rooftops watching. Mystery man. <laughs> Logan notices lots of armed guards as they enter, all carrying like mini like, automatic okay. weapons. Uh, as monks chant, the party enters the temple. Naburo, Miracus, uh, Mar- <laughs> Naburo, Marako's fiancé, is in attendance. He's the minister of justice. Logan is introduced to Shingen after the meeting doesn't go well he ignores everyone and you just see him walking through this crowd of people towering over everybody sticking out his sore thumb as well yeah um, which is mad because he's supposed to be shorter than everybody again but we can ignore that now because this film is less again it feels like a weirdly different film I don't know you can ignore the fact he's tall is what I'm saying uh, as a man on the roof watches praying to his master to protect Mariko. Yukio tells Logan about the armour next to the altar. It's referred to as the armour of the Silver Samurai. Now, if we just had that as a reference to Silver Samurai and the other thing that happens later, halfway through, it would be fine. <laughs> um, as a monk leads Mariko up to the altar, Logan notices something off about him and attempts to intervene. What did he notice? What do you notice? He's not... The last time he's had a gun on him. He has tattoos on um, his arm. Oh, Yakuza, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you saw it coming, kids. It's the Yakuza. 
As people attempt to interject in his own interjecting, a monk pulls out a shotgun and shoots Logan full front on in the gut. Chaos erupts as the Yakuza drag Mariko away, shooting as they do. Immediately, Rooftop Man starts a pursuit. Yukio uses a pole to take some out, as Logan carves into several Yakuza, before taking another gunshot to his side. Aragai takes out one more Yakuza and Lizard Lady, who has been filming the whole time for some reason on her phone, uh, no cells being held at gunpoint before hissing acid into a detainer's face. That's just a weird thing. I don't know why she's filming him, but it's still like weird. Uh... Why she? What's she doing? What's going on there? That's not even ever <laughs> never really yeah. covered. I know. guess because she's testing out her. What we find out later on. Uh, Maybe, device. but again, it's Is just this like, a weird like who, who like she's been paid to do it. So why does <laughs> the old my guy need him to? That, that uh, we're, we're not going to go into too much details, obviously. No, but that, that seemed to stick out a bit weird. I would find that a bit weird. It's something for her to do, I suppose. <laughs> um, Logan is struggling, but still kicks one man's leg backwards and claws so deep into another that his claws cause him to spin in the air. Meanwhile, Marco puts up a fair struggle, palming one man in the face, pushing back another before a third enters the room and points a gun at her. She does a fair little job at you know, punching a key. <laughs> Logan attempts to give chase, fighting as he can. While Yakuza drag Mariko away, Aragai giving cover as Logan fights. Um, Logan finally catches up to Mariko and deals her three abductors before she calls him Kazooie. Meanwhile, Mariko takes out several Yakuza at the temple. Mariko's father stops her following her. Um, uh, where, where, uh, there we go. Back outside the cars, Logan tackles uh, with several Yakuza as Mariko disarms another and grabs his spinning knife in the air. She, she talks later about knives. You don't really see much yeah. knife stuff from her. Um, Aragai taking out the third. Uh, it does come up in the very end. But two more give Logan a beating before Aragai deals with them. Logan and Mariko run into the Tokyo streets, Yakuza following and Aragai giving chase from the rooftops, taking Yakuza one out at a time. The pair reach a train station where Mariko attempts to ditch Logan, getting on a train, but Logan follows before several Yakuza are seen arriving. Um, that's a very short reading of what happens, but uh, this is all right. As a, a series of action yeah. stuff, it's not a bad action scene. And this is where you start seeing how this film definitely feels more like aping on the sort of Jason Bourne. There's the, the yeah. camera movements, especially that sort of action style stuff. Not quite James Bond, more like Jason yeah, Bourne. Sure. Um, and I really liked it. I really liked the sort of the pacing, the way the action played out, chaos going on, the fights all over the place. I think take out the Doctor <laughs> filming <laughs> and take out maybe Yukio's bit with a yeah. stick because she seems inconsequential. Yeah. It's just get it's a just bit of her fighting. It. It's just there to have her like. Because it feels like people are going to question why she isn't doing something. Because you saw her with the sword earlier in the film, yeah. she's amazing with the sword. Or they're going to be like, well, she's done so little, she should be fighting so well that she's helping to stop yeah. it all as well. But like, it's just weird. Um, but aside from that, the stuff with the actual fighting with Logan and the guns and him struggling because yeah. he's got no powers suddenly. I like that, see, where he's like. He hits you, like, realising he, like, he's full for, like, a couple of seconds, like... 
Um, and uh, the the fact he's cocky enough to think he'll be all fine <laughs> as well. And then he's just down. He's like thinking about it. But I guess you never done with it. Like, that's why up until this point, he's like. Um, and that's how he kind of is for the bulk of the first quarter, first half even, where he's just like walking into shots and struggling through yeah. beatings, not really registering that he still can't heal. Yeah. Um, he can heal at some point, can't he? Somewhat. He seems like he it's very really slow. Yeah. yeah, he's not bleeding out to death. No. Um, but he's like. I, I, this is one of the divergent points as well with the film cuts where it's more obvious with our later scenes but the bits that are missing from the normal cut that are in director's cut are all extended versions mm. of these action yeah. scenes um, with this this is the first of a two-parter really um, but I don't enjoy this but I mean what point are you somebody who disliked the film what point are you really falling off has it happened yet for you? I think... I, <laughs> I just think the whole... I don't know. Will we in Japan just... Something didn't, didn't feel... Didn't just do it for me. So it's all you have, like... So it's just a case of it not being to your taste. Pretty much, yeah. But imagine it wasn't in Japan. It's just a place. And there just have to be people. I guess. But I don't, I don't really like any of the characters either. Okay. <laughs> so that's why you like... Oh, right. That's fair. Um, all right, so we're on the, the train. Mariko joins a bullet train. I think it's a bullet train. I think it definitely is a bullet train considering what happens in the next scenes. Right, and he, he said, "This is one of those bullet trains, right?" Yeah, he does <laughs> make that, but like it's even more obvious yeah. after that point. And uh, it's followed quickly by Logan sitting in just behind her in a chair. It's like it falls backwards, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, that's good," you know. Um, and bleeding out from his not healing wounds. Uh, back at the temple, the press is clamouring wildly from word from Noropo, uh, Noboro, sorry, about the day's events. He calls it a cowardly attack. Shingen gets a debrief from one of his men and walks to Yukio. He asks her where Logan is, or his gaijin, her gaijin friend is, as if she could know. Um, and it's at that point he calls her just to model girl yeah yeah. I do like him actually though yeah well, he's, yeah. just inherently he's a good actor so yeah. you kind of warm to him yeah. generally as a performance um, back on the train Logan asks where she's going and she's ignoring him constantly but she says she said heading south she just puts some headphones in to ignore him in the toilet Logan checks his wounds confused as to why they aren't healing and as he exits the toilet some probable Yakuza step into his car he is left with no option but to get into action set piece with them he attacks them first before they've done anything <laughs> which is interesting he tosses one through the wall of the train and then another before ending up outside clinging to the side of the train himself with a Yakuza clinging to his leg this Yakuza thinks it's a good idea to stab the man in the leg that's keeping him alive on the side of the train <laughs> Especially a bullet train going that fast because if he, if he yeah. falls off, he's literally going yeah. Like... They're just being eviscerated by the by the impact when they land on the ground. As Logan notices an upcoming bit of tra uh, track infrastructure, that he quickly flips himself and his assailant onto the roof, where both have a cling on with sword and claws to avoid being blown away by the train's sheer yeah. speed and friction. 
Logan leaps over a low-hanging sign because he's facing the the Yakuza who's facing away from where the train's going. If you can picture so that. The Yakuza, the Yakuza can't see what's coming up, coming up behind him. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so the Yakuza jumps at the same time. Uh, a second time he does this, but he pretends that there's something coming. Yeah. And the Yakuza jumps and lands into a sign that's coming. Splat! Slightly higher. Blood everywhere. Um, <laughs> a second rooftop of Yakuza spots Miracle in the car below him, further back. And Logan makes a lunge for him, flying through the air, catching and tossing me into the air to the great unknown. <laughs> back above the train, Logan grabs Miracle and forces her off the train at the next stop. Logan forces Miracle to go to a hotel in a rough part of town. A love hotel. It is based on the famous capsule building in Tokyo. Uh, the Nakagen Capsule Tower is a mixed-use residential and office tower designed by architect Kishio Kurokawa, located in Shimbashi, Tokyo, Japan. Completed in two years, from 1970 to 1972, the building is a rare remaining example of Japanese metabolism alongside the older Kyoto International Conference Centre. The architectural movement emblematic of Japanese post-war cultural resurgence. It was the world's first example of a capsule infrastructure based, uh, built for permanent and practical use. The building still exists but has fallen into disrepair as of October 2012. Around 30 of the 140 capsules remained in use as apartments while others were used for storage or office space or simply abandoned and allowed to deteriorate. As quick uh, as recently as August 2017, the capsules could still be rented relatively inexpensively, considering the Ginza locale. Through though the waiting list remained very long. So the concept with them was that each individual capsule could be taken out, yeah. or a new one could be added, and the building could grow. Oh. But the problem with that was you had to take out or turn off all the capsules in one column um, yeah. to be able to add new ones so it wasn't functionally great um, sounds great but functionally yeah, the concept is nice it just needs ironing out I think and the, the capsule was quite small like a capsule was maybe a bit longer but thinner than this room that's awesome. I guess that's Japan about living a lot of more smaller spaces but hmm. I don't know if I could do that living in such a small space people tend to rent them now as miniature uh Home away from yeah. home office spaces yeah. so they can work without having to travel yeah. all the way home and back. If they've got like a weekend where they have to stay away, things like that. It turns out to be a love hotel, as you mentioned. The lady running it has no rooms next to each other, but they have a choice of what three places can they choose from? Space Mountain. Space Mountain, <laughs> okay. And the other ones? What was the other one? Was it Easter eggs or something at all? I don't think so. Space Mountain. Was that fish? I can't remember. No. <laughs> the three locations they can choose from are a dungeon, a nurse's office, or capsule to Mars. That's what capsule. <laughs> um, for some reason, the wounded Logan chooses Mars and not the nurse's office, <laughs> where you could maybe pretend that you were a nurse healing someone. <laughs> Or they maybe pretend versions of supplies for nurses to use in the room. <laughs> you know, like replica ones or smaller versions of them. 
she, he could have been stitched up in the nurse's office. Anyway, they choose the capsule to Mars. Two head to the room. As Mariko sleeps, Logan watches out from the balcony. Ghost Jean appears to him on the balcony, and as he bleeds out, some more talk of his returning to the life of heroism. He collapses outside, waking up in a vet's. Mariko having got him help. Logan surmises that the lizard doctor from before did this to him, taking his healing, that is. Outside we see the very woman meeting an, the arrow guy from the funeral. They argue and he pins her against a wall, but she turns the tables on him by scratching him with her nail. <laughs> and then breathing mist into the wound somehow, this stuns him and she asks where Logan is. Breathing another mist that removes the skin burning effect somehow. Uh, she sends him away to do his job. I find this scene quite f- funny though, because like he's going in there like because he obviously doesn't know her powers or anything. No. He's going in there like he's all cocky and, big man, man, yeah. and she's like, "Shut up." <laughs> yeah, I mean I appreciate that. Uh, on a bus, Logan is dozing, dozing next to America. But, uh, for, for those on camera, I did a, a weird face, uh, and they get off outside Nagasaki. Um, I think it's interesting to discuss that the two big set pieces, which were the train scene, much longer, yeah. on top of the roof especially, that fight in the extended cut, like several minutes yeah. it feels like. Um, and most notably, there is a full fight scene outside the Love Hotel. Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't yeah, know. He so. gets knocked off the balcony and then there's a fight down yeah. below and she does something, like chucks something or... Yeah. Saves him, and why they cut that, I don't know. Because I think the I think the extended cut is much better for having the fights yeah. in it. But I understand maybe running time and all that. But to cut such like especially that second fight on the yeah, but roof. running time. Something an extra. I think the film's an extra. Is it twelve minutes longer? Or something I think like it's it? even longer than that. I think it's maybe seventeen minutes. It, well, it's not. But it's not. I mean, it's not the end. Like seventeen minutes. It's this. You know, what producers are like. I guess. I mean, the producers are probably why the ending happened. But um, <laughs> do, what do you feel about like the differences? Obviously, you remember the difference. Yeah. Do you feel which film was for you? You fine with it being shorter? Does it miss something with or without the bits missing? I think the train bit maybe is yeah. fine with it shorter. But I, I think the extended version is better. But it doesn't. It's not majorly better. If that makes sense. It's not adding. It's stuff not adding like, yeah, yeah. No. But I think maybe the fight on the balcony yeah. is improved yeah. and could do being in there. And I think the... I honestly think the train set piece is actually quite inventive yeah. and unique with them fighting on the roof. Unlike the whole... People will probably reference the Spider-Man 2 fight scene. You know, <laughs> that big one. And I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think this is really interesting taking into account the speed yeah. of the train and jumping over yeah. things. Um, and the the way he he's not having to fight in the oh. traditional sense, they're just kind of he's got to use his brain for him. yeah four <laughs> D chess, you know. Um, I think it's a good little scene, yeah. a good little action set piece, um, and highly underrated yeah. probably, uh, in my personal opinion. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's having those fights in there, including another couple of set pieces later that would have been longer, would have added a lot more. And it's a shame you can only get it via a director's yeah. cut that isn't, like you said, available on yeah. Disney Plus. 
or other services are available should it have ever appeared on them. Um, I think it's just any issue with going fully online. Like, it's not a bad thing going fully online, but you're just going to miss out on maybe somebody's extra... Because obviously director's cuts you will use to sell extra DVDs, won't they? Like, mm. even though it's only, it's only 17 minutes, but... And bonus features, director's yeah. commentary. You see, yeah. X-Men 1 had about three different versions. Mm. That's not, by the end of it, well, there was there was <laughs> that what they did with Spider Man is one point five. Yeah, that's probably one point five. Spider Man burned two point five, and they did that with X Men One, like yeah. one point five for that as well. But obviously, you can't really get them anymore unless you buy them what the DVDs, but the really old ones. Yeah, yeah. on streaming sites, they're not unreliable to get on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, don't get me that gets into the realms of game <laughs> of preservation course. and stuff like that. And I'm be proponent of keeping yeah. versions preserved, yeah. you know. But then you go into the dangerous areas of directors touching with their films over and over again I guess yeah like Apocalypse Now and <laughs> Star Wars obviously and people disliking that I think you preserve the original version and you should be able to preserve a version of the director's of vision that isn't fiddled with by having to shorten it for general public or even changing it for public mm. <laughs> I like that there was that two cuts of the first um, Exorcist film like not the first Exorcist, yeah. but the the one that's set before everything else, yeah. like the prequel, and there's two completely different yeah. films, and I think that's fascinating. But I guess it's a bit like the Snyder Cut of Justice League. You know, yeah, it's a bit of a different story there because obviously, like different director. To I go, just but... I just like the fact that that was, you know, less positive fan pressure. Yeah, that's, yeah. That pushed that into being made. Um, it's it's a much better film that came out. But you can see it's totally two different... Here's my opinion on the Snyder Cut and, and <laughs> Justice League, by the way. And this is going to be something that maybe sets some people off. I think the best single shot of Batman in any film ever put out was in the original theatrical cut of the Justice League where the guy comes out of the rooftop, turns left, and Batman's just on the wall in the background. And then he swoops round. And there's just something about the the composite and the way he's posed nice. if it was slightly darker it would be less silly looking mm. maybe I think that's the best mm. moment Batman's ever looked on film the rest of the film no obviously but I think that's the most Batman Batman's ever been in that one instant that shot I think I'll probably disagree but <laughs> like, <laughs> that's quite different considering how Batman's supposed to be like there could there's been films that are better films but are they better representations of the concept of the character I guess, but there's always that one iconic scene of him. Is it second Batman, Nolan, where he's on the rooftop just sitting there? Yeah, again, it depends on shot choices, yeah. though, doesn't it? Yeah. Nolan makes for very good shot choices that look really good, yeah. but do they feel conceptually appropriate for the character you're looking at? And that's my point, yeah. I think. I think <laughs> I want to, I've been planning to make a video for a while that is just called Joss Whedon or Joss. Did nothing wrong yeah. <laughs> with the Justice League because um, he definitely did some wrong things, if you know what I mean. Um, but then the concept is I talk about what yeah. I mean because yeah. um, he did a lot of wrong things yeah. with that as well. Like Superman should be in fucking Superman colors, not black, <laughs> right? I he could be exactly the same film as the Snyder Cut, but he should be in red, you know, yeah. and blue. And be and be a symbol of hope. Still, he could he could beat the shit out of you know any character he wants. Mm. He can help laser their horns <laughs> off and have Wonder Woman cut off their heads. 
Don't talk, get me started on the Wonder Woman fight scene. That's different. <laughs> Justice League, the original cut of that. I it's the same fight scene, right? But she clearly murders people in the you know Snyder cut. <laughs> they could have kept her the same scene in place with her not murdering people. But I quite and like she would have been a symbol of hope. And I quite like heroes killing people though. I don't know. It's something about heroes because obviously some heroes. Yes, but I, I don't he... think it's wrong for people like Batman to have killed people. I mean, it's contradictory for what they're supposed yeah. to be now, but it's fine. But if you look at but here, for Wonder Woman, Superman, I guess they are specific guess, yeah, yeah. icons. I guess. And the fact that Wonder Woman punches a man so hard that his head caves yeah. in against the wall in front of some children, I guess, yeah, for Wonder ruins Wonder the symbolism of Wonder most, Woman. For most, it's like if Wolverine never killed anyone, I'd be like, that's not really. No, yeah, Wolverine. <laughs> yeah, no, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's contextually appropriate yeah. use of characters. I think the Justice League. Snyder Cut is a better film, but I think Wonder Woman murdering people and Superman being, you know, at that moment where in the original Justice League Cut, where Superman turns up and you hear the traditional Superman music, yeah. there's something powerful about that that is missing, and it's not perfect in that cut. <laughs> it could be tweaked a bit still, but I want to see the Sun God who's, you know, who's kind and giving yeah. and doing things for the right reasons. You know, um, the the old you know, truth and justice in the American way. Remove the American way part. What if he was just Superman is all powerful yet he's still just kind. Imagine seeing that in film. That'd be amazing. <laughs> like a symbol of good. You know that is powerful still at the same time. Yeah, but people want to see their dark grims. I've gone on a tangent now. <laughs> you see, if somebody gave me the chance, give me the opportunity to direct the next Superman. Thank you. <laughs> I think we'll both make totally different Superman, but yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I, like, that's what's missing. I'm not a director. Don't get me wrong. But uh, there's an element of those characters where, like, some characters should always symbolise something mm. bigger than just being a superhero, right? Superman is definitely one of them. Captain America, Superman, Wonder Woman. I guess I agree with that because some superheroes like Batman, you, 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 you could tell like you Batman, do, Batman, flexibility there. Batman's probably killed someone technically. Yeah, or, no, or, yeah. Or, the, only, <laughs> the only comics he wielded guns and shot people. It's fine. Even the, even the antics he does where he cripples people, that kind of stuff. But he's pretty much killing people. Like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's fine. He could be brutal yeah. and dark and that's appropriate contextually. And you can have dark stories in Superman but he, the point of Superman is that he doesn't bend. Yeah. He's the man of steel. Yeah. It's not just that he's bullets bound off him. <laughs> he's morally the man of steel. That's the thing. Anyway. <laughs> he wouldn't punch a man through a city. Wow. You know? Maybe by accident. <laughs> like, even by accident. Like, the, 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 the point is, the reason bad Superman stories are still happening in films is people keep saying you can't write a good Superman story because he's impervious. He's not. He cares about people and the people are his weakness. That's... So, like, if you shoot people and it's Superman's fault, his conscience is what kills him. That's why, that's why I call it the injustice over him where he actually... When he kills the Joker because the Joker does kill like, his wife and kid. Like, yeah, you but then, then it's like, again, that's not... I appreciate what they're saying in the story, but, you know, it's like... That's not... That's still not Superman. <laughs> still not him. Like, you threaten them characters. And like it's more likely that Superman would leave or be utterly destroyed. Mm. He wouldn't be evil because of it. 
you'd be just distraught, you know. Um, but that's his weakness is people. It's the city. That's why the idea of, say, a Superman game, where instead of having Superman have a life bar, you give the city a life bar. Right? And it's like, if you handle that well with the right threats, and then the moral choice is, does he fly over here to save them and save that? And that's time. And you play with that as a concept. It's like, it's not hard to write a good Superman story. You just choose the right thing as the right threat. See, from we Superman, have we been that? Uh, we we talk about Wolverine. I don't know what we're doing there. <laughs> I can make this an extra, extra. at this point on, on the channel. Um. violent in the right times but he can also be light and interesting like he's the best of his at what he does but I'd like to see a more booty Wolverine actually yeah well like the, the one complaint always with Wolverine is that he wasn't animalistic enough he should be be more berserker yeah. and it's like never, he's been berserker enough for instances but there's something missing he's like that third film go back to it where he's doing one liners <laughs> and he's like class is dismissed and he lifts one eyebrow and it's like who the fuck is that that's not Wolverine that's some sort of Yahoo with Wolverine's face I think Logan does it when we get to that movie eventually but I think Logan does it quite well mm. makes it a bit more but that's leading into the, the stuff that that's based on yeah a bit more so but it'd be interesting to where Disney go but with this Wolverine one, this film feels a lot more like what Wolverine mm. could be yeah. it's just like it doesn't quite stick the landing for you mm. but and yeah anyway <laughs> I hope you've liked this extended rant uh, <laughs> about Superman. <laughs> Somehow. Um, but yeah, like this film, I think the action set pieces in it are really good. Yeah. So far. The pair arrive at an old family home of America. Logan finds a photo of Arrow Boy. Harada, she says his name is. We're going to keep calling him Arrow Boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I think that was. I can't keep remembering his name. Um, I, I managed to remember quite a few characters' mm. names, ironically. Mariko's ex or current boy, if it's hard to be sure. It's not clear. They kiss later, sort of. It seems like they're, they're still together, but she's being forced to do other get on like. On, a, on again, off again, but she doesn't seem too affected later when things no. happen. Uh, she prepares a meal for them and removes his chopsticks from the bowl of rice, explaining that because they resemble incense at a funeral when they stood up right. Which is, yeah, superstitious. I can't use use chopsticks, so I'm not... It's interesting uh, because he questions her on her attempt to kill herself from before, and she says she will become a new head of the company in three days. No super plan, no even monster. It's just basically a thriller story, you know. Um... And she says the line, you, you'll never understand because you're not Japanese. And as she does it, she takes the chopsticks back out of the bowl again. Because in the middle of the conversation, he's unintentionally put them stood up like <laughs> in the bowl a second time. And that's really good character work. that You don't see it happen. And it does imply that like he just doesn't get yeah. it. He's never going to fit in there. Because part of him is always going to be separate. Well, I feel that's the thing as well for everyone. Like, it's almost impossible to... like. No, it depends on the person, I think, maybe. Some people are more 
flexible. But I feel like the older you get, though, the less because he's a hundred old. Yeah, he's got to think imagine he's like an old man at this point, like mentally, like yes. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, back at the house, Shingen uh, is chastising local police for not locating mm. Logan and his daughter. Uh, they've sent some men to the south to find her. An old lady comes to the old home, asking for help from Mariko to clear a fallen tree. How she knows there's a big man there, I don't know. <laughs> it's handy that he is. After Logan and Mariko are walking after he's chopped the tree in half, um, Logan gets tired and he's got, you can see it's the first time yeah. he's been exhausted in his life from working. And she offers him an apple and uh, eating it, he notices and remembers the location somewhere he's been before. Yeah. In a flashback, we, we keep getting flashbacks, we haven't mentioned them all through the film, but there's multiple flashbacks. Uh, down the hole, Logan is offered a sword in thanks for saving the young Yoshida. He asks Yoshida to keep hold of it for him and the two climb out to see the sheer destruction of the bomb has caused. Yeah. And there's a really... It's not super emotional, but there's a subtle emotional moment where he's... The, Japanese, the young Japanese man is just seeing yeah. his his homeland just yeah. burning. And it could be handled a bit better, but you see what they're going for there. Yeah, let's see where they have an important line as well. Japanese used two-handed sword. Yeah. Yeah. Which comes into play later on. Like. Yeah, it comes into play really clunkily. Later. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's also kind of like, you know, part of yeah. how that sword's used. You know. um, back in modern time, Logan recounts his story and Mariko talks of how she he doesn't sleep well. Um, back in the house, Mariko helps Wolverine to do up his robe before they pair make out and the two go to bed during a thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're going to sleep with someone for the first time, do it during yeah, a thunderstorm. Um He's older than her granddad was. <laughs> and she's like 20-something. Wolverine. But I did actually like this whole part of me going to the village, though. Because it was like a wholesome moment of like him just like being normal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, what would it be like if he didn't actually... Was he like a normal... He's just an average guy. He's yeah. learning how to do up, do up his clothes. And yeah, they, they, do like, they do like him having chopping down trees for some reason. It's a thing. Yeah, they just want to show him with his <laughs> shirt off. You know it. Yeah. It, but it, does, it does lead into the whole him being tired for the first yeah. time in his life. Sort yeah. of thing. He's never experienced it mm. before. Like, as a kid, he yeah. was sick a lot. But he, he probably doesn't remember that yeah. feeling. Yeah. And he's never really yet to eat enough to have energy because yeah. his mutant yeah. factor is just kind of constantly eating him. And it's an interesting way of depicting that. In bed, he sees Jean again. Well, she's got to be <laughs> insulting for America. And she tells him it won't end well before suddenly the Silver Samurai attacks. Yes. Which is a good depiction of the Silver Samurai. If that's what the Silver Samurai looked like, if there was Silver Samurai in the film properly. Because what happens at the end is never called Silver Samurai. It's officially Silver Samurai. But, um, because the person in the, in the Samurai suit is the same person who is... The, yeah. It's all very complicated. Uh, Logan is reached out to by an unstartled Mariko who tells him the meaning of his nickname and of her dad being a dick when she was small and scared. He tells her of his having killed Jean. In another woman's bed we find Yuriko dreaming of Logan's death. In her bed. Yeah. Yuko's bed. That's the other woman. Yuko's the other bed. She's not sleeping in another woman's bed. Although, apparently, we've just learned that's contextually properly right, if she was. Um, 
The next morning, Logan wakes to find Mariko being dragged away. He's useless. Heightened healing, heightened smells. Can't even notice people <laughs> dragging this woman away. Logan chases after abductors, taking a shot in the leg and tossing one man aside. The men get away, but Logan takes the remaining man and stabs him in an unseen location to find where they took Mariko. I thought you were taking a bob. Does he say bub? No. <laughs> I'll just add it anyway. We should dub over one of these films one day with you being Logan. That'd be amazing. He said uh, bub every two seconds. <laughs> uh, Yukio run, uh, turns up and picks up a determined Logan uh, to take him to Nabua. He asks to go see Nabua. Once they arrive, she tells him about seeing him die. She describes seeing him on his back, his heart in his hands. We're going to put a pin in that for future reference. And this is the way the point is, like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> then he starts questioning her, like, how is it all? Before they both head in, they find Nabuo with two prostitutes. I think they're prostitutes. I think it's unlikely that they're like just there because they fancy yeah. him. Um, you never know. Oh, wait, yeah. so, but it's not, they're coded as prostitutes. Logan threatens Nabuo and scares him into giving up details about his involvement in the plan using ten words only. So the guy starts talking and he punches him in the face as hard as possible. And then it's like, how many letters are that? How many words is that? And she's like, that's nine. I feel like if Wolverine punched you that hard though, you'd probably be like... He, he, maybe he's <laughs> holding back a little bit. But he's still got metal hands, so you know he's, his nose is broken immediately. Uh, Logan then tosses him out the window when he explains what is going on. Mm. Uh, Nabura landing in the pool be- below by luck. Uh, so we're about to hit some of the main stuff. What do you think? That little bit. She's been. You, you like this whole, you know, home life stuff. Yeah. It's very brief, yeah. sadly. But um, what you're what you're saying really, I think, is that you want a genteel drama starring Wolverine. Maybe. And <laughs> like Wolver- Maybe Wolverine and friends or. Wolverine and me, maybe a sitcom. Me. <laughs> um, but yeah, generally, what do you think? How about? I like. I quite like the the whole scene in the hotel. I thought it's funny. It's <laughs> like, like throws him out. He's like, oh, I didn't realize the He's like, oh, do you know? He's like, nope. He's like, no, Bob. <laughs> no, no, Bob. <laughs> no pool down there, Bob. Um. It's just, I think that's the second time. No, later on he says, because we found out in the last film he was in, last uh, for first class, that he he only did the film so he could say the, you know, go fuck yourself mm-hmm. line, and he says go fuck yourself again in this film, <laughs> so it must be one of these things that's in his contract now. He says say that's a weird once. thing to want to say though. I don't know, like, I don't feel I don't really feel that's like a Wolverine thing though. Like, yeah, he needs a bub on the he end. Needs a bub. Go fuck yourself, bub. No. Um, sorry, everybody, for the swears. Back at the main house, Shingen, now revealed to be the master behind master mind behind the Yakuza side of things, addresses his daughter. Suddenly, ninja attack, taking out his men as he argues with her. The ninja take away Mariko, and lizard woman appears, stabbing Shingen in the tip of... Uh, venom-covered fountain pen in the neck. She's like, Bye. Yeah, that. Um, sometime later, Logan and Yuriko arrive at the house, finding a note from the ninja. 
Logan spots a cyber bed from earlier and thinks to use it to check himself. At the same time, a wounded Shingen slowly makes his way out of the garden pond, grabbing samurai gear as he does. So I'm not sure what the poison did to him. He doesn't seem to be... I mean, he's no. messed up, but he's not dying. He's not like from what we can tell. Um, on the medical scanner, it's revealed that a parasite has latched itself to Logan's heart, causing the power drain. Mutant power drain, by the way. Logan starts to use his own claws to cut into himself and then reach in and put out the creature as Shingen arrives to attack at the same time. Yukio begins a sword duel over Logan's prone body as Logan successfully, eventually, pulls out the creature before flatlining. Uh, the pair's frantic sword fight continues until Logan finally heals and defends Yukio as she's on the floor for what would have been a death strike. He finishes the fight with Shingen, refusing to kill him until he utters the line Go fuck yourself. <laughs> no, that's not it. <laughs> that would be great, but no. I'm the Wolverine. I did like that fight, but the Wolverine part of the night, I was just yeah. like, it's a bit cheesy. like. Yeah, if you cut out that line. But they needed the, the title of the film in the film, didn't they? I guess, yeah. <laughs> Do you even have a title? I don't remember there being no, a title in the film. There probably is. Um, before changing his mind and stabbing Shingen through the lower neck. Yeah. Uh, as Logan leaves to save Mariko, Yukio notices a plan on the floor for a samurai outfit. Or cyber samurai, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'd, I like this sort of chunk as well. Um, I think it's a, a really good fight scene. And it doesn't start moving at all until the very end. Uh, although there's that element of him like trying to cut yeah. out something from himself and then flatlining and um, that's where the the threat is that the these two people are fighting while he's doing that yeah. that's interesting um, probably one of the more interesting set pieces in a while in one of these films um, and it's much smaller everything's so much smaller yeah. but still sometimes smaller is better than this so yeah sometimes threats can be smaller scale yeah. and still be important if you invest um not that Wolverine can ever really die in these films, so to speak. Um, but yeah, any opinions before we move on? We're going to the final stretch. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Finally, we arrive in the mountains and Mariko meets both Arrow Boy and Lizard Lady, who are working for her family. We get a brief moment of Logan arriving and then Mariko walking and talking with Dr. Lizard. Down in the village below the mountain, we see Logan arrive. Arrow Boy and his ninja clan arrive and have a little fight with Logan before Logan tells him to... Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got it, finally. Um, under a rain of arrows, Logan runs to the castle, being filled with poison one. Awaking in the castle, strapped to a chair. Um, that fight scene is way longer in the little village. In the extended like cut. I like this fight scene when he's got all the hours in his back. He's sure these strings there for just like mm. pulling him like. Uh, essentially going back to the, calling back to the bear thing. Yeah. Trying to stop wild animal. But like there's this whole bit with Yukio turns up in the extended cut and there's a like. Not a, is it like uh, one of them things that clears snow or. A snowplow. A snowplow. Or is it like a farming equipment or something like that? Because there were people being shredded yeah. in it. 
is monumentally big in the, the director's cut, and it's just like practically nothing happens yeah. in the in the proper cut. Because in the proper cut, what happens is pretty much see arrows going through. There's, there's a there's a small fight. Yeah. And he gets shot with poison arrows, and then he yeah. walks forward and collapses, and that's it. And it's good, like ten minutes longer. It feels <laughs> like in the uh, director's cut. Um, so it's interesting to see how much bigger it was. Um. Anyway, Doctor Lizard tells Logan as he wakes up of the adamantium samurai to his right and talks of her quote-unquote plan. She over-explains her character because we need to know who she is for some reason and causes him to get angrily revealing his claws. Yeah, she then pins his claws out by, I think it's like the little probes are going yeah. into his arm and causing his muscles to kind of froze in place. Or his bones to like mm. do some weird... They can't contract. Yeah. Is the point. Um, the Arrow Boy and Mariko argue about the situation until the samurai to the right rises. It's what, like 12 foot tall? It seems like. 10 to 12 foot tall. And prepares its superheated sword lifting over Logan's claws. Mariko gets in the way at the last moment, causing the samurai to miss his strike and accidentally free them. Uh, the player flee, chased by Lizard Lady, before Arrow Boy uh, arrows her in the chest and she falls several stories. Um, she pulls out the arrow and over time peels off her skin and hair, recovering, I think. I'm not sure. I was confused by that scene. Like, yeah, she's like, what's what's going on with her? What's her superpowers? Because she changed be? her hair colour by that point. I'm like, her hair just came off. She's completely bald, isn't she? <laughs> It's like so. She is she just hiding? Is she a lizard woman? Really? Is that her literally healing from removing her skin? Yeah. Like removes what was strange. Um, technically, I'm not sure quite what's supposed to be happening. Uh, who's somehow now a much better warrior than Shingen was because uh, y- the Yukio arrives to battle her later, and they have a closer fight, yeah. shorter. But, you know, she puts up a better fight. Uh, Arrow Boy arrives at the last minute to fight in defence of Logan, who was killed by the giant samurai. Um, Logan taking the moment to pick up one of the giant swords. By this point, the samurai is cut off um, one set of Logan's claws um, through the adamantium. And that's he's got this big sword and he's like two hands. Okay. And then somehow that activates the fire, the heating, the superheating of the adamantium. But the samurai is using two swords and he only uses one hand okay. for each. So I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> anyway. And Logan calls out to the samurai to face him and instantly slices off his apparent head. It's very lucky that it's not his head and his head is like yeah. here. Yeah. In the chest cavity of the samurai suit. Logan then tackles the stumbling warrior off the platform and tumbles to an external floor opening, like there's a hole in the wall and they fall out. As he attempts to climb back indoors, the samurai swiftly cuts off his other set of claws and grabs his arm. Meanwhile, Yukio and the Dr. Lizard fight, with Yukio hanging the mutant over a chasm. So you can kill her by breaking her neck, clearly, but not by stabbing her in the heart. Very distinct differences. The samurai starts drilling into the tips of the open claw wounds, 
where the bone marrow is, I suppose. And uh, stripping Logan of his powers yeah. somehow. You've seen a Logan ages point him getting younger. Mm. Or, or just kind of withers yeah. more ages. Um, it's old man Yoshida. Dun dun dun. <laughs> He's not dead. Shocker. Uh, before it gets too late, Mariko stabs her grandfather in the top of his head with a stray wolverine claw. And then in the neck, she says she's good with knives. Yeah. So I think she's supposed to have thrown the knife, yeah. the claw, so well that it lands in the top yeah. of the head. Um, and uh, as he stumbles, struggling to stay alive, Logan strips the armor from his front, revealing two bone claws as he pulls his claws back out again. Two sets of bone claws. And finally puts an end to the master. Collapsing, Jean visits Logan again in one more vision. As he rejects her with her offer to stay with him um, in his dream heaven. We transition to the warm light of a new day. I like this transition. He's there and she's there. He's like, no, I always love you, but no. And it sort of fades, you know, fades back in and it's daytime somewhere else. And uh, he's at the airport. It's being seen off by Mariko and joined by Yukio. He kisses Mariko goodbye. He and Yukio head off to wherever the ride takes them. Because she's his bodyguard. Credits. Mid credits. Caption. Two years later. I didn't see the mid credits. <laughs> Logan is passing through an airport. An advert for Trask is running on the TV. A man joins the line behind him. Black coat and hat. Logan takes a pat down, but then notices items moving into the scanner have uh, started to move about on their own. Logan turns to strike, realising who's behind him. But Magneto holds his arm in place. He's come to find his help. He is taking the people behind him. Uh, as he's talking, the people behind him move slowly and stop in place, only to suddenly completely freeze. Magneto sets Logan free and a familiar voice rings around the concourse, rolling in on a wheelchair. Logan slowly coming to grasp with the magnitude of a resurrected Charles. The pair come together, Magneto logging at, no, nodding at Logan and Charles. Credits. <laughs> Final credits. No more scenes. So, I've never seen that scene, you know. You haven't seen that scene? You have never watched the credits? No. We're going to have to show you that scene in a second. Um... I'm going to pause this recording. You're going to see that scene. Um, let's pretend you always knew that was in there. <laughs> Amazing there scene. Oh, best scene in the film, eh? But it is the best scene in the film. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I like the music in that scene where they turn up and it's there's a dramatic air to it and Charles coming around the corner and the music swells and it almost feels like this is the resurrection of Christ. Oh, it's it's quite a big thing, actually, like... In the, in the movie so far, like, Charles coming back, like... Because last time we told Charles, it's like... He, last time we saw Charles, technically, he was in a bed talking to someone. Yeah. But was that a post credit scene as well? Yeah, it was a very post credit yeah. scene. Most people really didn't see it yeah. at the time. Um, but yes, I mean, how many people were actually following the series enough yeah. to care that much? Uh, but yeah, I like the feel of it. And that's a well shot. That's uh, The crew from the next film filmed that. But the director from this film directed it. Oh, I see. 
So it sort of blends a bit of both both crews sort of feels. Um so let's have a little talk about what you think is the personally your best scene so far. What do you think of the film overall? Now you you've had done to think about it. Still haven't got <laughs> no, much. No, yeah, we much. knew we were going in. Well, I say I think there is something there. The director's cut is better okay. because it's added all those sort of elements of the action scenes. I think that's what kind of grounds it a lot more is the action scenes being relatively yeah. ignoring the train one, which is still really good. But ignoring the train one, it's the grittier sort of action anyway, but not hyper violent at the same time. Like, it's more like really hard hitting rather than bloody, you know. Um, and there's cool stuff going on with camera work and stuff like that. Um, but I can see why you don't like it. It's cool. But I think it's, it may be my, f ignoring the ending, yeah. maybe my favourite film to have watched so far. Taking it into a modern sensibilities, taking that into account. Much better than Origins. I think we can agree on that, right? Maybe. Are you it's saying like... it's worse than X Men Origins Wolverine? It's on the same level. <laughs> same. Maybe slightly better. It's not the worst X Men film. But <laughs> what is yeah. the worst X Men film? So far. Ignoring the TV movie. Part Origins so far. So you're saying it's same but better. Well, it's one above. If, if I was doing a list so far, obviously be at the bottom. It should be straight after it next. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> but um, I don't know what the worst one is because I've not watched. I've not watched all of the X Men stuff. It has mod more modern sensibilities. Mm. I'll say that much. And I think we're going to find a worse film, definitely, as we go along. Probably. Probably. But we know what my favourite film is anyway. So you never know. You haven't watched them all. Oh. You may be turned round on it. I don't think so. Somehow I don't heard. think so. Um, so, you know, I, like I say, I like it sort of as a more grounded action film that happens to have these characters yeah. in. Oh, no. Best scene. I, can't, I still like that arrow scene where he's got all the arrows in his back. There's something about, that, something about that visual where, like... Mm. I still remember that, even though... All, I still remember that scene for me. Like it's like like if you were to picture it as a single yeah. frame, yeah, it stands out. Um, I think the movie poster is kind of based on it as well. Kind of, yeah. I think they removed the arrows. Uh, I prefer as a, because it, I think it's a consistently flowing quality. Yeah. It's not super standout. There's no scenes that are super standout, yeah. but I think the fight between the two in the house, the sword fight, yeah. I really like that. I think that's probably the strongest fight yeah. scene. It's like a little more withdrawn, well-paced. gives some traditional sort of action content yeah. instead of superpowers and over-the-top action and crazy stuff, stunts going on. It's just a fight between two people. It looks really sort of brutal yeah. and realistic at the same time. While somebody's cutting his own heart out. <laughs> um, but I, I prefer that, that scene. Uh, do you have a best line? I, I think I know what it's going to be now after our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually. It's not me, it's not me like any big catchy... There was one that came to me later 
where Shingen talks to Viper of all people, the, the lizard doctor. He says, what are you? And she says, a chemist, a nihilist, a capitalist, a mutation. <laughs> and I just kind of like it because it's like she's clearly evil. Yeah. But the idea of her being a capitalist yeah. is one of the evil sorts of things there. It's like, yeah, sure, that works. But it's not It's not really great. It's not really, it's not really a one-liner. No, I mean, it doesn't have to be one-liner. Yeah. It could be something that's really powerful that somebody says. Yeah. But yeah, and again, you see what you mean. There's not a lot there to be yeah. taken from it. Um, personal best character? I don't know, I quite like... What's that? Yukio. 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 Yeah, I picked Yukio as well. I think of all the characters in the film, there, there is a backstory there that's mm. interesting. A distinct sort of character mm. traits... The curse of having to see everybody die no. all the time. There's stuff yeah. around there that makes her a lot more solid and believable yeah. as someone who's kind of haunted but still really yeah. positive. There's like different sides to her. Yeah, it's fascinating yeah. sort of layers there. I mean, it's not remains of the day level <laughs> of acting, but it's a, yeah. I think it's an interesting character performance. Um, since the end of the film, the people who are still who are leaving, uh, there's Tao. Essentially, all of the cast are leaving <laughs> at this point. Apart from Wolverine, yeah. Tao Okamoto has since played Mercy Graves in the 26th film. Now, will you recognise this actress? You'll kick yourself. Mercy Gray. The name ring any bells? It does ring a bell, but the character's not named in the film mm. that we're talking about. Give you a couple more seconds. No wild guesses. Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. She? She's Lex Luthor's assistant. Oh. <laughs> the, the character that you know Wolverine gets off with oh. in this is Next <laughs> assistant in that. They nothing alike. I think that's interesting, you know. Like the, that just says a lot about dressing a character yeah. and dressing actress and stuff. She has had recurring roles in the television series Hannibal, Man in High Castle, and Westworld since this. I thought I remember in Westworld, a Man in High Castle, but I fell off that show heavily. Um, there is another person that I think there's a lot of people who've gone to be in Westworld for some reason. Uh, Rida Fukushima, TV series uh, Arrow as Tatsu Yashimo, uh, Yamashiro and she was in Ghost in the Shell in 2017 the red geisha one of the geishas in it that's why I recognise her from Arrow because she played a similar character isn't it I guess probably <laughs> so I think she takes over the performance yeah. from someone else as well um, uh, Hiroki Shan- Sanada uh, uh, the, the, the top man <laughs> in this film uh, is in the Railway Man and Forty Seven Ronin. Was in Minions as Domo the Sumo, twenty nineteen. He was in Avengers Endgame as uh, Akihiko. Uh, he's the gangland 
Yakuza boss who's killed yeah. by Ronin. Um, in 2021, he was in Mortal Kombat as Hanzo Hasashi or Scorpion. That's that's top. That's what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, in 2021, he was in Army of the Dead. Another film. And he's currently filming for. Guesses. You're reading now. Go away. Go reading. Um, John Wick 4. I think it's John Wick 4. John Wick 4. So it should be interesting to see what happens there. John Wick in Japan, essentially. John Wick Tokyo edition. Um, and then Ken Yamara uh, Takashi in the 2014 remake of Godzilla. Uh, the, the American Godzilla. There's too many remakes. What's Godzilla? Godzilla? I can't remember. I picture him though. And uh, the Black Mirror playtest episode. I don't know if you've seen mention Black Mirror. I've seen all of Black Mirror, but I can't remember. The bad episode from season three where it's a guy in a house. That's a video game test. I do like that. It's not great because when you know video games, some of the stuff they say in that is really uncomfortable to just put it through. And it's like, Charlie Brooker knows better because he wrote for Games Makes. Anyway. Um, aside from that, Hugh Jackman and even, uh, you know, Gene Grey is sticking around yeah, to an extent. Um, so let's get to the serious part that we've been waiting for and why we rushed through this aside from my big rant about Batman and Superman. The next film coming up is X-Men Days of Future Past and... <laughs> Chef's Kiss film. Chef's Kiss oh, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> the this film is interesting because, firstly, there are two cuts of Days of Future Past. So we're going to have to find a way to watch both. So what's, is the Do you up- have access to the Rogue cut? No. Oh, I'll get access to the Rogue cut. I'll go I, to Kex. I have a copy of here, so <laughs> if you have to. It's, it's apparently hard to find, but I'm sure they will have a copy at Kex. Um... So we will need to watch both copies. Um, as such, that means this is where the timeline officially for the first time splits into two, where events will happen simultaneously. I'm guessing Wokok's a lot of different to the... We'll see. Because I've never watched the Wokok. I've only watched the... Yeah. That would be fascinating to see what your reaction is to the Wokok. I've not watched it yet, but I've got it downstairs. Um, but even without the Wokok, the Days of Future Past is where the timeline would have splintered anyway. Of course, yeah, it's like... So there's going to be multiple splinters. We're going to have to try and figure out where things are going to splinter out. And as such, I want to do something different for the next episode. Something special. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure quite what it's going to be yet. <laughs> but I'm hoping for it to be a bit bigger than and more interesting yeah. than this. Don't worry, you won't have to sit in for the entire recording. It's fine. Um, so, uh, keep an eye out for that episode okay. coming up. We would like to hear from you guys listening. It may take a while before this episode comes out. Hopefully not too long, though. Just so I can get it all organised and ironed out what I want to do in my head. Um, so you have some time to send us comments so please send any questions, thoughts, or opinions on any of the episodes that have come before this and the film coming up, Days of Future Past, to timelinepod, or one word, at gmail.com. 
Um, if you have questions, you have opinions, you have ideas, anything Feedback, at all, anything. Anything you want Negative to say. Negative or positive. Like, yeah. Take it all. Your show's shite, mate. Please fix it. <laughs> anything. This is your chance to change it or, or help us change it. But also to talk about your opinions yeah. of the films so far. Um, the other thought is that maybe I'm going to try and do something that is a standalone audio or video thing with the timeline of the first high, uh, short series and first half of this series so far. And all the events yeah. in order. Not in show order, in actual timeline order. Um, but we'll see. It seems like a big thing to do. Uh, so that'd be interesting to keep an eye out for. Uh, but we've reached the end of this episode. Oh, I passed wind. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're about to move on to a big change in the show so any last thoughts then before we sign off not the worst but far from the best so are you excited about the next one I am actually I do enjoy Day the Future Past curious about Rogue Cut I am actually curious I've never seen, I've never seen it you never read about it or anything like no that? Mm. I think you should just watch it and not read oh. about it if you can because these films came up before the time of it's the internet I put in quotes because obviously yeah, now they like, definitely like the first Wolverine mm. it's probably that sort of time period where, it's where like people big... start doing videos about stuff when it like a lot more Easter like eggs in this yeah. film trailer it must have hate that though. I hate that but obviously now I think it's so much more you find you get information so much more regularly you now like mm-hmm. about stuff um, so yeah, even then the road cut is less known about yeah um so yeah I mean it's been an interesting ride so yeah. far um, and I've, I've seen Days of Future Past once I saw it in cinema <laughs> look at this big man <laughs> big X-Men fan I thought. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where our yeah. takes are on it um, so yes uh, keep an eye out for our next episode thank you for listening to this one Thank you. See you on the timeline somewhere. Yes, see you on the next point in the timeline. My name has been Robin Smith. I'm Limit Bond. And we shall talk to you next time. Sayonara. (laughs) Go fuck yourself, pretty boy. (laughs) Bub. Bub. Rolling over to see Jean's bedside, uh, sorry, rolling over to see Bean, Bean, <laughs> Bean, Jean, kill me. <laughs>